The project lead for the Pacific Hub at the Griffith Asia Institute says anything is possible at this year's Pacific Islands Forum Leaders Meeting in Rarotonga and Aitutaki. It kicks off next week on Monday the 6th, local time. Dr Newton Kane will be in Rarotonga for the meeting. She spoke with Lydia Lewis. So last year, the forum asked the dialogue partners to stand back and stand down, and to a large extent they did. They didn't fly in, they didn't try and grab any of the attention. But this year, you know, I've kind of dubbed this PIF as the return of the dialogue partners. We know that the US is sending a delegation of at least 10. We know that there are very high-level delegations coming from the UK and elsewhere. And they are going to want, they're going to suck up a lot of oxygen and energy. They're going to want bilateral meetings, um, which, you know, can distract leaders from being in the more uh, focused multilateral meetings that they, they meant to be in. Um, they're going to be, you know, they're going to cause a lot of work for the Secretariat. We've seen previously that there have been uh, conflict points between dialogue partners, particularly between Taiwan and China, and you know, I think uh, in recently in um, well, a number of years ago in Nauru, we had this walkout by the Chinese delegation because they weren't given a speaking slot or the speaking slot that they wanted. So you know, there's it can lead to it can create an, a, a fair degree of tension. The last time that um, the forum met in Cook Islands was 2012. And Hillary Clinton attended that meeting as Secretary of State, and she was something of a showstopper, as you can imagine, and did kind of sort of suck all the energy, all the media attention, and all the talk was about what what she was doing there and what she was saying. In terms of the leaders themselves, they get the benefit and it be, it makes their retreat even more important because when they go into retreat at Aitutaki, that is just them. It's just the leaders of the member countries. The dialogue partners don't get an entry into that room and or into that conversation. And that's where I guess the real work gets done. Has there been any indication that access to leaders will be limited this is only the second one where we've had an in-person meeting since COVID. Last year, the dialogue partners were not inv- were asked to stay away. Um, so it's a number of years since we've had the dialogue partners on the ground, as it were. But as we know, the oceanscape has changed quite significantly. Everybody wants access to Pacific leaders. Everybody wants to be, you know, stamping their mark on this geostrategic theatre that people insist on describing the Pacific as. You know, we've seen that there's a Latvian ambassador who's on a tour through the region at the moment. The president of Hungary was in Papua New Guinea earlier this week. You know, we've got people coming from anywhere and everywhere, and they obviously all feel that they should, they need to sort of demonstrate some return on the investment, whether it's a a photo op or a meeting or, a you know, an agreement to support a project. So I think it could, I think uh, I'm expecting that things uh, in Cook Islands next week could be quite chaotic on that score. Um, But I think that that will spur uh, more work on the part of the Secretariat to get a bit more structure and discipline around this. It's not, you know, it's not 
necessarily in anyone's interests to say no to people that want to be dialogue partners of the forum. There's, I think there's benefit to having more partners, but with the growth in the number of partners comes the need for a bit more structure and discipline about how they operate and how they interact with leaders at meetings like next week. How significant is the appointment of a Secretary-General and what concerns are there around the appointment of Baron Wanga to that role? Well, the Secretary-General's role is obviously a really important one. He is the most senior bureaucrat um, and, you know, is basically his job is to provide all necessary support to the leaders in order for them to have a successful meeting and achieve what they want to do. The expectation is that Henry Puna will stand down from that position um, in the first half of next year. And as things currently stand, he will be succeeded by Baron Wanga from Nauru. He's a former president of Nauru. Um, so th there have been, when that was announced, there were some expressions of concern about that choice, um, given issues that happened in Nauru when he was president there, particularly relation to human rights, uh, undermining of the rule of law, suppression of the media and things like that. Um, those concerns don't seem to have gone anywhere. My sense from within the Secretariat and from other people I've spoken to is that there's no appetite to reopen that can of worms and that the agreement was that Micronesia could put forward a candidate this is the one they've put forward and kind of everyone just has to work with that. The Micronesian leaders, though, are expected to meet, as with the other groupings of leaders. Could they change their tact? Could they change their vote? Or is it set in stone? I mean, I guess anything's possible. Um, and certainly we heard from at least one of the Micronesian leaders when these concerns were put to him, he seemed to think that this was the first he'd heard of it. Um, so it is open to them to change their mind. They could do that. I, I don't think it's very likely, um, but, you know, anything's possible. Thank you so much for your time. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? You know, this is where the China-US thing really plays out because mm -hmm. they're both dialogue partners. They sit at the same table and the US just doesn't like it. The US wants to be at a better table that doesn't have China on it. But uh, whilst they are dialogue partners, that's where they sit. They sit in that same circle, that, that outer circle.